I invite you to hear the word of God this morning from Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verse 15 through 19. I'll begin at verse 13. Continuing the story of Christ's birth, Luke records these words. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We sit under your holy word and the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us a word that we may live. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm just glad it finally happened. It took the very last day of 2023, but Brandon and I are finally wearing the exact same thing. <laughs> if you arrange this, thank you. It is a gift to me. You have approximately 10 hours and 58 minutes. 10 hours and 58 minutes. For me, that means I have to very quickly learn Spanish, lose five pounds, and read three books. 10 hours and 58 minutes, 2023 will be over. So how'd it go? I'm not sure why it is, but there's something profound about turning the calendar year. The truth is, is that not much will be different between 11.59 today and midnight, 12 a.m. tomorrow. You will still be you. I will still be me. And people will still be arguing with dog owners who have mixed opinions about fireworks. And yet there's something about it. A new year, it marks some kind of shift. A moment in time where people look back and say, how did it go? I think that's a good thing. It's good to take stock of the roads we travel every now and then so that we can reclaim the treasures we found throughout the year but left uh, along the side of the road to scrape off some of the barnacles that we've collected along the way. And you know, here's a pro tip. You don't have to wait until December 31st of next year to do that. You can reflect upon your life on a very regular basis. It's helpful. It's a spiritual practice, in fact. But no sooner do we ask a question like that than we ask a question like, well, that's how this year went. How do I want next year to go? 
It's a fresh calendar, a new fiscal year for some of you, and a new start. For some reason, it all seems to go hand in hand, especially right after you've taken stock of yourself at the end of a year. There's something about taking a good, long, hard look at ourselves. We see ourselves as we are, and we resolve to get better. We have a lot of things that we really want to do, and finally, I didn't do them yesterday, I'm not doing them now, but tomorrow, I will do them for a whole year. And there are some things we want to do, and there are, quite honestly, probably some things that we really should do. We've got to fix our prayer lives. We've got to pre-fund the annual budget for Planet Fitness. We've got to read that book and finally get out of debt. That's good. Please do all of those things and more. Live your dreams. Become everything that you want to be because I believe that it is better to live on purpose than it is by accident. After all, we are stewards of our lives and nobody else is going to do it for us. Maybe, maybe the new year is just the jolt that you need to make those important adjustments. Plans and hopes and goals. I don't know why, but the new year brings all of these things to mind for many people. But let's be honest about some of that. Underneath those aspirations, some stuff we're pretty unhappy with. We know our tendencies to be self-destructive, our tendencies to sin. We do stuff we don't like and stuff we don't understand. Our lives don't really look like we want them to, maybe because something happened that we have no control over and we didn't quite take it into account when we had it on our vision board. We maybe because we are driven by motivations and things that are deep within the crazy matrix of our inner lives that we don't quite recognize and we wonder how it is we got from here to there and the answer may be in a secret place within our own souls. Somewhere underneath all of this desire for self-improvement is just a thing that says we want to be other than we are. And sometimes that's good. That feeling can motivate us to take some action. And yet sometimes that idea breeds unnecessary condemnation. In our desire to improve ourselves and our lives, we forget that God cherishes us. And that the very life that you're living today is the exact context in which you will be made holy. Self-improvement is tricky. It's like, it's like the thermostat at the house. I don't know about y'all, but we're bumping it up and down and all over the place. We're lighting fires and extinguishing them. We're putting ice uh, in the drinks and then making hot chocolate. It's all within three-hour period. But we can tell, I can tell, when I walk into the bedroom at night and it is one degree warmer than it's supposed to be. First world problem. But self-improvement is like that. One degree off and everything changes because it's good to get better. But on the other hand, a focus on self-improvement, it, it can be a way of avoiding the actual work that God wants to do in your life. 
We can get trapped in the impossible goal of trying to become someone other than ourselves. It has been said that working on yourself can be an insidious mask of self-hate, for it makes you feel there is something wrong with you until you are somehow healed. What if we were as gentle with ourselves as God is gentle with us while we look to improve ourselves in the new year? What if we invited Jesus who delights in your soul to work change from the inside out and put down the whips and the control? Today, I want to offer just a couple of Christmas thoughts on self-improvement. Three questions inspired by one line of the Christmas story that I can't get out of my head that I hope in some way will gently guide you forward and deeper into the heart of God, not just to be a better you, but to be holy and in deeper union with God as we come into the new year. So what's that one line? That one little inspiring Christmas quote, we'll find it in Luke chapter 2. And here's the scene, you know it. We've talked about it uh, about 15 times in the past two weeks. Mary, Joseph, they have come into Bethlehem. And Jesus has just been born, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This is the afterglow of the birth of Jesus after a tumultuous experience all around. Mary, the Son of God, born from her womb, resting in her arms, and the shepherds are there too because they've received an, a strange and powerful and glorious angelic visitation. They were just out dealing with sheep. And suddenly the glory of the Lord shines around them and an angel, a messenger from God, says, look, a Savior, the Messiah, has been born to you. Glory to God in the highest, go find him. And so they do. And they told everyone about it. They were telling everybody about this great good news. Uh, take a listen one more time to verse 17 through 19. The shepherds made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it, that means there are a handful of people over there, were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. That's it. That's the line. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What does Mary do in all of the change that has been experienced in her life in the past nine, ten months? All of the grief and pain and the surprise and the joy, the excitement about the future as she holds a baby in front of her, all of the joy that this is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, what, what does she do? Unlike the others who, it says, simply marvel at it and move on with life, or the others like the shepherds who shoot out into action, she treasures and ponders where? In her heart. The heart is the source life, and the heart is the door to all good change. And so let's take and just apply this line, this thought, 
to our New Year's resolve. And I want to give you three questions for you to ponder in your heart as you explore self-improvement. First is this, and you can write this down. These are pithy and wise. First, ask yourself, where is God at work? Where is God at work? We move so fast, and even if you are slow, the brain moves fast. Do you remember everything from 2023? Where was God at work in you and around you this year? If you're like most people, all but the biggest things are buried in your memory. There are probably delights and there are probably pains that were forgotten an hour after they passed that are buried treasure. Things that God has done in ways mediocre and small, big and magnificent all over, but we've moved on. Let's take, take the time to unearth those treasures and ask, where has God, God, where have you been at work? Because God has been at work. There have been great things and blessings and divine moments, and there have been pains this year for sure. And I wonder if along the way, as you reflect back over the year, if you've sensed the Spirit of God working in those areas of pain and hurt. And if not, I wonder if you would consider that those places of pain that you may be trying to forget are precisely the places where God is preparing to do a great and beautiful thing in your life. I'm struck by this moment in the gospel story. It says, when all the people heard this great good news, they were amazed, which is great because it's amazing news. But the Bible does something interesting. This is one of those nerdy textual things. It says, all the people were amazed at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. It's like, it's like two different things are happening there, and, and it gives definition to what it means that the people were amazed. It's like they were struck and delighted by God's work. That is fantastic, and here it is in the stable. I'm glad I got to see it, but it didn't quite sink in. It was like a a flash in the pan and on to the next thing, like many of the adrenaline highs and dopamine hits that we get with our religion or our social media or our other things. Just on to the next one, on to the next one. But Mary wouldn't let it go so quickly. They did that. They were amazed, whatever that means for them, but Mary treasured the news and the words and the moments and pondered on them. She mulled over them and, and chewed over them until piece by piece they added up. She didn't let lose the pieces to the Lego set. She pulled them all together until she could build the whole thing, and it started to make sense and become real in her heart. Don't move so quickly past things. Don't overlook the beautiful things. Be courageous enough to not close your eyes and squint so hard at the hard things because God was in them and God is in them. And so I ask you to ask yourself, where has God been at work? Because where God has been at work is likely where he is preparing to do a greater work. 
Tomorrow's improvements have roots in yesterday. And so where has God been at work? Dig up those experiences that you could treasure them and ponder them and keep them at the forefront of your mind to guide you forward into what God would have you do. Where have you seen God at work? Second question is this. What is underneath your resolution? What is underneath your resolution? Now, what we see in the passage here is that Mary's very connected to her heart. She places things in her heart. She connects with her heart. There are many of us who are barely connected with our own inner lives and our hearts. We live on the surface. Maybe we're running from something. Maybe we don't want to see or feel what's there. Mary is deeply connected to her heart. And the heart is very important. The scriptures say, for example, guard your heart. Why? For everything flows from it. Everything flows from it. So I want you to think about the goal, the improvement that you want to make. And recognize that that desire to do that flows from your heart. So examine it. Get curious about it. If it flows from your heart, ask yourself, what is it? I want to do this. What is underneath that that is in your heart? Many of our self-improvement plans stem from things that we don't recognize, like compulsion. I guess I should. I guess I should. I guess I should. Things like childhood pain, unconscious needs, unexamined expectations. Your change efforts, your plans will be short-circuited if you don't know what's underneath them, if you don't know what the need is that you're actually trying to meet. You'll either lose motivation because you're doing the thing, but you don't feel any different because you don't know what you're trying to feel and what you're trying to get rid of. Or maybe you'll lose the opportunity to have a double blessing of both achieving your goal and receiving healing. And more than likely what would happen if you don't know what's underneath your resolution, you're going to end up working real hard to achieve your goal. You're not going to feel the way you want to feel. And so you'll end up in this horrible, evil cycle of self-condemnation because you still feel the way that you do. And I don't know if you know this or not, the Lord does not want guilt and shame to rule your life. Here's the thing that somebody asked me one time that I think would be good for you. He said, I was confessing some perfectionism or another. There's, there's somebody out here who knows what I'm talking about. Uh, to him, he said, he said, Jim, stop. Just stop. I said, I'm not done yet. He said, no, stop, stop. I need to ask you something. He said, if your children came to you and said this exact same thing to you, would you want them to treat themselves the way you're treating yourself? I was like, no, but I can handle it. The Lord doesn't want us to be, to be motivated by condemnation and by pain and by fears. So what's underneath the resolution? Do you feel guilty because you're not doing something you think you should be doing? Well, you want, so you want to do the thing. Ask yourself, though, where does the guilt come from? Why do I have self-condemnation about it? And while I'm deciding that I'm going to exercise, read the Bible, pray eight hours a day, whatever it is you're choosing to do, 
while I'm doing that, maybe I can ask the Lord also to bring healing to the place that the need comes from. Do you want to change your body in some way? What's underneath that? Why? Does it have something to do with your sense of worth or your difficulty loving the body God gave you? Is it a fear of getting older and losing ability? It'd be worth knowing that so that you can invite God to address those things so that in your effort to change your body, your efforts aren't simply acts of hatred against yourself, but acts of love that are also receiving healing on the inside. If you genuinely want to see change, it's not enough to influence the externals. You need heart change, and only God can do that. And so if you truly, truly not only want to improve, but to grow more whole and holy, ask yourself, what is underneath the thing I'm trying to improve? What is underneath the goal that I'm trying to achieve? Third question. Imagining the thing that you want to improve, the goal you want to achieve, ask yourself, will this help me do the will of God? Will this help me do the will of God? Look, not everything we want to improve about ourselves comes from good motives. Self-improvement can be be an exercise in self-indulgence, self-centeredness, vanity, and entitlement. You see, it's only a degree. You see what I'm saying? Our actions and our motives can easily take our focus away from the God-centered, other-focused life that God wants us to live. It's so easy to, even if you're talking about your devotional life, let's say you're trying to read the Bible with us every day of the week, it is so easy to, to make that about checking those boxes and turning those pages instead of loving God. It's so easy to take our focus away from God or to confuse things that we're passionate about or things that make us feel better with God's will for our lives. We easily can slip into making our will God's will, and it won't be long before we've created an idol of our pursuits, even of good things. And look, instead of seeking to be more Christ-like, we can strive to be richer than Sally or skinnier than Joe or more popular than Timmy or better than our job than Johnny. And while it does yield some measure of positive result for you, what it does is it pits you against your neighbor instead of enriching your neighbor. You see how difficult it is. We've got to ask ourselves, well, this thing that I'm seeking to achieve, will it help me do the will of God? I think about Mary when she receives the news right here in this first stained glass window that she will bear the Christ child how does she respond? She responds saying, be it unto me according to thy will. Not, I am, wow, look at me. (laughs) First virgin birth in history. Star on Hollywood Boulevard. No, it's, I do this for your will. The most enriching changes in our lives will allow us to draw closer to God, to live holy lives, and to serve other people. I know that physical stuff is, is on a lot of people's lists because we've just had about 1,000 calories per minute. There's a slight shift 
from saying, I feel disgusted with myself and therefore I'm going to do this change and it's driven by self-hatred and it's driven by motivation and by being thinner than my neighbor. Versus, this is the body and the life that God gave me and I really would like to have the energy and a little bit of longevity and a little bit of focus that I could hear God, that I could love him with myself and I can touch and love my neighbor. Will the goal and endeavor help you do the will of God? Will it help you be more, a more faithful steward of your life, of your body, of your possessions? Will it help you to become more holy? And if the answer to those questions is no, then I invite you to go back to question two where it says, hey, you might want to check out what's underneath all that. All right, three questions. You've got about 10 hours and 36 minutes left in 2023, so why don't you get this all figured out? Chances are you've got some plans for the upcoming year. That's awesome. I think you really should. I think living on purpose is better than living by accident. I'd love to hear about it. I want to pray for you. I want to support you in all of it. Do your thing, chicken wing. Amanda is going to talk to me about that after church. You don't have to bring that up. Just pick up that thing you've been putting off. It's time. Take responsibility. Oh, you've got a dream. You know what? Now is as good a time as any. But you know, along the way, here's what I hope. I hope that you'll be gentle with yourself. I hope that you'll invite Christ into the places that are deeper than you know and realize so that not only can you become better at whatever, but that you can become the best, holiest version of yourself in a way that only he can make you. I hope that you'll be patient, and I hope that you'll be gentle, and I hope that you'll stay open to the work of God because he wants to do a continued work in your life. Take a hold of it. Don't bury it. Treasure it. Ponder it till it becomes a part of who you are that you might be more Christ-like. All right. This will be my last sermon of 2023. I won't preach again until next year. Let me pray for you. God, you've got great plans and work in our lives. And thank you that we don't have to be other than who we are for you to meet us. Help us to see your work in the depths of our hearts. To not confuse self-improvement with holiness. Control with goodness. Or achievement with virtue. But help us, Father, to see you and to invite you into the deepest places in our lives that we could become better. That we might be better stewards better listeners, better accompaniment people to follow with others. Here's to your work in our upcoming year of Father Spirit. Go before us and give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts willing to embrace you. We love you and we thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.